The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, Titan Home Lending, TicketSmarter.com, and our Florida realtor, Drew Felios. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome in, Buck fans. A wild card dominating performance victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome into the No Quarter Given podcast, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa, along with Peter Blake. Welcome in, Peter. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, uh, a great win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Before you could even sit down and have your second or third plate, uh, they're already up in the game big. So I was impressed by that and uh, fun times on Monday night. You got that right, Peter Blake. What a, what a dominating performance uh, by the Buccaneers, a, a, a all-encompassing three-phase offense, defense, special teams. Everybody contributed, and we're going to get into all the details of that. But just uh, from your perspective in the, in the being in the building, give us a little sense of what the atmosphere was in the building, Raymond James, Monday night. Electricity. Uh, Bucks fans are ready. Salute to them because they were ready for this uh, this game, and they came out in full support of their team. And the Bucks, uh, you know, didn't disappoint, especially with defensively getting after Jalen Hurts. Uh, and the food spread was great too, by the way. Guess what was on the menu? A little New York sirloin beef. You had uh, some uh, red beans and rice with a little sauce there. Some. Uh, uh, plantains there, as you will. Oh, so good. It was so good. Absolutely. Spanish kind of deal going on. There you go. A little, la- yeah, you go, a little, little Cuban uh, fence there. Yeah, a little Latin Cuban. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the Buccaneers, again, a lot of people thought the rain would be an issue. The rain didn't. Uh, did it On TV, it didn't look like it rained at all. Maybe a little bit of a sprinkle. But, you know, I think a lot of people thought the rain was going to be an issue. But but give uh, give the give the Bucks credit. What was the Phil- What was the Philadelphia crowd turnout? You know, couple ten thousand. I I would say that I didn't see that many. I I didn't see a lot of uh, Kelly uh, Tire Green, if you will. I didn't see a lot of that. I just saw red and pewter all night long. And then, you know, of course, before the game, they had the red lights and everything. It's just it, it, well done on you know all 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 fronts there by Buck Social Media with Rondé Barber and the trailer there pumping you up because Rondé Barber has his history with the Philadelphia Eagles. You got the red light. You got Ric Flair coming out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was nice shooting off the cannon. Uh, so it, it it just was a perfect night. It really was. One of the cool cool touch that the Glazers put into the into the into the uh, into the game Monday night was the uh, honoring Martin Luther King with the coin toss, honoring the family. That was a real classy thing to do. I think that was something that was uh, obviously the game was on MLK Day uh, Monday night. So another. Uh, touch of class by the Glazers. Yeah, it's not surprising. Glazers know how to do it. This organization knows how to do it right. All right, let's get to the game. Obviously, the Bucks came in as kind of the, the, a three-point a three underdog to the Eagles. Just from the get-go, the Bucks, uh 
The Bucs uh, get the opening kickoff, go marching right down the field, very efficient with the offense. Again, when you and I talked about it last week, I thought the Bucs needed to come out to throw the ball, and they did. They came out throwing the ball against that uh, porous Philadelphia secondary and defense, and they moved right down the field. Ended up having to kick a field goal on the first drive to go up three, um, three nothing. But again, good job by Dave Canals opening up the offense, moved right down the field. Baker uh, was was in, in in touch, feeling it. The offensive line was doing a good job giving him time. Nice job starting out uh, with with an opening field goal. And I thought that the Bucks would score a touchdown on their opening drive, and then that's how confident I was. But you settle for the field goal there. But like you said, you got to come out, be aggressive. Don't run the ball on first down, get two yards in a cloud of dust. Come out, pass the ball versus, uh, let's just face it, a team defensively that has no clue, no identity right now with having two defensive coordinators, namely Matt Patricia with his number two pencil, which, by the way, it ain't doing anything for you, okay? Nobody's thinking like you're a genius anymore because of what you put out there with these defenses that you've coached, namely the Lions and now the Eagles, which, by the way, more than likely both of those teams' defenses will get better without them. And they have. The Lions' defense have gotten better, and the Eagles, once they fire this guy, will also get better. And if you listen to the podcast last week, the, one of the player keys I gave you, Mr. Kate Otten, was a factor early in this game, led the Buccaneers in the game with 11 targets and led them with eight catches for 89 yards. So if you listen to the podcast, we give you the nuggets of who to look for. And Kate Otten, he did have a critical drop, which would have been a touchdown, I believe, on that first drive on the little square and route. But Kate Otten was a major factor on uh, Monday night. Hey. Yeah, grab by his waist there. Uh, thanks a lot, refs, for showing. No, he's got to catch. Even though he got tugged, you got to catch the ball. I get it. You got to catch the ball, but you can't, you know, have somebody around you like it's a first aid or something. You know, grab it on your waist. There's no, there's no room for that. If you're gonna call interference on it, call interference, and it was clearly interference. So, uh, did does he need to catch it? Yes, we've seen this before from Otten. This is the disappointing thing. Uh, he did this uh, with um, against San Francisco uh, at the time. So. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes uh, with him. But surpassing Gronk, Gronkowski with uh, catches with eight in a postseason. Wow, that's nice job. Stuff. So you got that right. Evans had an opportunity in this game to go off and uh, get some touchdowns, and he had a couple critical drops there, which is uh, you know not uh, not like Mike Evans. That was the theme of the first half of the Bucks. The one negative for the first half was the drops by the wide receiver by the receiving core. Had they caught the ball, the score would have probably been at least 24 points at the half, if not more than maybe 28. They were they were firing on all cylinders. Baker was feeling good. Beautiful long ball to Evans. That would have been down to about the one-yard line had, had Evans caught it. He didn't catch it. But, again, that game could have gotten way out of hand much earlier in the game, and that game probably shouldn't have been 16-9 to like it was for as long as it was had it not been for the drops by the Buccaneer receivers. Completely agree, because uh, Baker could have had like over 400 yards of passing and five touchdowns in this game. And I kept on saying on the post game, he only had two. He had three. You forget about the Chris Godwin throw, which he he just lofts it up there. I know we're going to get to that, but uh, Baker could have had a bigger game than he had. And uh, his wide receivers the other night and, and tight end uh, kind of let him down. So the Bucs get on the board after that second drive. Again, it was very evident early what the Buccaneers' defensive strategy was going to be. They were going to blitz Jalen Jalen uh, Hurts in that Eagle offensive line. 
no matter what the formation, no matter what the down and distance, they were blitzing and they were they said, hey, our guy, our DBs are better than yours. Remember, no AJ Brown, uh, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Izian, even McCollum were were very effective. They did give up a couple of plays to Devontae Smith later in the game, but you knew what the strategy was going to be pretty pretty early in that game with the Buccaneer defense that they were going to pressure that that uh, Philadelphia offensive line and blitz Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and uh, there were various looks all night long, whether it was you know five-man front, six-man front. We saw Anthony Nelson play middle linebacker. You saw Yaya Diaby play middle linebacker. I mean, there were so many variations. And this is the Todd Bowles that you expected during the regular season. This is the Todd Bowles that's like the mad scientist, like Monty Kiffin, you know, varying up the looks with blitzes, confusing quarterbacks. Maybe... They were playing possum the whole time because that game plan defensively was unbelievable. Did a great job. And again, like you said, various formations, blitz packages. How about, so the Bucks go up 10-0 on the David Moore crossing route, turns about a 20-yard gain into a 44-yard touchdown. Again, that was one of the first indicators of the lack of interest Philadelphia had on the tackling front. Again, great play by David Moore, making something more out of what was there. But but again, the the the, the tackling, the inability of the Eagles to get the Buccaneer receivers on the ground. And again, give Dave, David Moore credit. He, he made a nice play, zigzagging through the secondary to, to go 10 nothing. That, that was right after a couple of plays after Evans dropped the long ball, which would have put him on the one-yard line. So again, good nice job by the Buccaneer and more more aggressiveness by Dave Canales. Staying aggressive, throwing the ball. You knew you, they identified pretty quickly where they had the advantage they went after it yeah uh and and watching david moore on that run i mean bradbury wasn't interested in tackling him uh he makes a move fantastic run gets out into the open breaks a couple more tackles i was like who's this guy where's this guy been i mean we've seen flashes of him you know in the green bay game but you know anytime you're not, you know, focusing on Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. They're not getting it done. And you're getting other contributions, especially by Moore. You're starting to feel good about your offense. Kate Otten, great contribution the other night, leading the receivers. Uh, Trey Palmer later on in the game with the, the explosive play there. So that was a good thing to see, especially Moore, especially with that run, you know, breaking tackles. James Bradbury, you look like Ray Bradbury trying to tackle somebody. It's terrible. Yeah, not not yeah. Again, again, the, the Philly uh, defense again and again. Give the Bucks offensive line credit. They did. They gave up a couple sacks in the game, but from all in all, he gave Blit Baker plenty of time. They neutralized that front four. Uh, the inability of, of of the of the Eagles to get get home. And when they did blitz, the Bucks made them pay with the uh, with, with with the routes to again. Not all not not all the focus was on Godwin and Evans. Baker was able to find the alter, alternate guys, whether it was Palmer, David Moore. And then obviously Kate on. And that's what you want to see. You want him to take those check downs. You want him to take what the defense is giving him. And if the defense is giving you those type of routes, take them. Don't try to force it into those small windows. Don't try to do too much. I got to ask you, you are a big time, uh, you're very critical of Baker Mayfield. That game the other night, do you think not only did he increase his value, but do you think he should come back with a contract extension, in your opinion, my tag team partner of the world, Mr. Jason Powers? I never said he shouldn't come back with a contract extension. What I said was you can't pay him 45 or $50 million. Right. I'm, I'm all for a short-term two, maybe three-year deal at probably $30 million a year at the most. I'm, yes, he has increased his value. He's played well, but again – Baker Mayfield, and I love this is what we love about the guy, but this is also what we sometimes 
the consistency of being able to do it week after week. The week, two weeks before when we needed it, he didn't play very well. We have to be fair about that. We, we were fortunate, got out of the Carolina game when he didn't play very well. Then he, had, then he has moments like this where he plays fantastic. The consistency is what has, has been Baker's only real downfall as an as a overall number one draft pick. He's won playoff games. He, he beat Pittsburgh, played Kansas City very tight when he was in Cleveland. We know he's got it in him, but can, does he have it in him every single week or five out of six weeks? That's been the question with Baker Mayfield. But I think you bring Baker back. Again, you don't break the bank for the guy, I don't think. Short term, I don't think you give him a five-year contract. But I definitely think a two, two maybe three-year deal is in the, is in the offings. Yeah, three years, $75 million, a lot like what Geno Smith got from Seattle last year. And consequently, I came on this podcast and said, he had the opportunity to have that same type of year under Dave Canales. And what if, again, this is just the perfect offense for Mayfield and you finally see that consistency because he finally has the consistent coaching, the consistent system for him to flourish. So the Bucs continue to move the ball in the first half. Again, let's give more credit. We've been talking about this guy all year, Chase McLaughlin, two long field goals. Bang, he bangs a 54-yarder. That's been such a weapon for the Buccaneers this year that they've not had the last couple of years with Ryan Suckup, the ability to kick the long field goals. And, uh, again, he delivers again with three more field goals. Bucks are up 16-3, give up, give up a touchdown late in the half to make it 16-9. I was a little nervous. I got to be honest with you at 16 to nine, because the Bucks should have been up at least 17 points and they were only up a touchdown going to the third quarter. Yeah. And uh, I tell you right now, you, you kind of thought that the Eagles were going to be able to get back in this game, but uh, you know, the Bucks defense, give them credit. They make a play there. They get pressure on Hertz. Uh, they stymie that offense all night long. But you were kind of worried when it was 16-9. to You're like, oh, no, here come the Eagles. They're going to get back in this game. It's going to be a closer game than it should be because, honestly, look at the numbers. The Bucs completely dominated that first half. No doubt. They should have been, again, should have been up more than 69. The reason it was 9, not 10, is the Eagles because Zion McCollum, again, these are the kind of mental mistakes that will cost you next week in Detroit. Twice he jumps off sides on field goals and extra points. Philly decides we're going to go for two on the extra point because Zion jumps off sides and the Bucks for the second time this year stop the tush push, get a little help with uh, KJ Britt face mask that's not called. So back to the officiating, a, a, a missed call there that goes to the Buccaneers way. But again, for the second time, the Bucks stop a two uh, the tush push this time for a two point conversion. And it kind of takes the air out of that balloon, in my opinion, for the Eagles because they decide at that point we're going to take points off the board, we're going to punch you in the mouth, and the Bucks said, "Nope, it's not your night. We're going to punch you in the mouth." And for me, that was one of the biggest plays of the game when you shut down, even though it's a two point conversion, you basically show at that point that you're the more physical team. Speaking of KJ Britt. What'd you think of the decision that Todd Bowles starts KJ Britt over Devin White? And Britt probably played two-thirds of the plays in that game on defense. And Devin White, and you know, Devin White had been playing a bunch the last couple of weeks. And I know Britt had a little bit of a calf injury, but was was a little surprised to see KJ Britt run out with the first team defense. And I give Todd Bowles credit. That's who he thinks is the best guy. You got to play your best guys at this time of the year. And I'll give him credit for doing it. But K.J. Britt got most of the snaps at linebacker over Devin White. I really think you can look at the turnaround where, you know, Todd Bowles holds Devin White accountable when you're starting Britt. Whether White is hurt or not, not playing up to snuff, 
We've seen it this year, Jason. He's not playing like $11 million linebacker, let alone an 18 to $20 million linebacker. And Britt gives you the best opportunity to win, so you got to play him. And I was looking in the press box how many times White was there on pass coverage. I didn't see a lot, but when you seen him on the field in pass coverage, you know what else you saw? You saw running backs being able to get open over the middle, whether that's coverage, scheme, or whatever else. That has been Devin White's downfall when it comes to you know coverage. He's never gotten, he's never been able to get better in that aspect. You don't see the same thing with Braid. If he's on the field and pass coverage, you don't see those breakdowns. So again, if Braid gives you the best opportunity to win, you start him over White. Great decision by Todd Bowles. Uh, you got to give. I got, I got a dilemma for you, Peter Blake. Next year. You have three linebackers. You got Levante, you got KJ Britt. You have an older Levante who's at the end of the road. We all uh, can agree to that. KJ Britt, Devin White. Is there a scenario where you don't sign Levante David, you sign Devin White, and you bring KJ, and it's KJ Britt and Devin White together instead of Levante David? No way, because Levante David is still your best linebacker on this team. Whether he's getting up there in age or not, you got to re-sign him. Devin White, you you allow him to go out in free agency. If he wants that $100 million contract, good luck, my friend, because I, you're not going to get it from Tampa. You have a play like it. I, I, I would doubt that he gets the money that he's looking for because you look at the tape, again, whether he's hurt or not, it has not been good. In fact, it's been it's been gross. It's been awful. <laughs> All right, so Bucks lead 16-9 at the half. You listen to No Quarter Given Podcast. I'm Jason along with Peter, breaking down Philadelphia. We're going to look ahead to Detroit as well. No guests this week and no montage. So if you want to go back and listen to the montage with the Detroit Lions, go back and archive our previous uh, No Quarter Given. I think it was week six, correct? Was it week six with the uh, with the orange with the, with the Bucks wore the creamsicle uniforms of the Detroit Lions. We'll get to what happened back in week six. But again, if you want to listen to the Detroit montage with myself, Paul Stewart, uh, with Paul Stewart's montage, and uh, uh, go check that out on the on the uh, on the archive episode back in week six. No quarter given podcast. All right, so the third quarter opens up a little bit of a kind of a defensive first half of the third quarter. Both teams hold and punt, and all of a sudden the Bucks were able to. Pin back uh, the Eagles with a nice punt by Camarda. Your guy, Camarda, pins them back. Levante David makes a great play on first down with like a four-yard loss on on, uh, Swift in the backfield. Sets up a second down at like the three or four-yard line. And then the then the pass coverage in the in the pass rush, Anthony Nelson able to corral Jalen Hurts in the end zone for that safety. What a job by the uh, again. That was not a blitz situation either. That was a four man rush. Nice job by the by the by the front four, and nice job by the back seven covering to create that safety. And the guy that makes the play is Kalijah Kansi. He gets the penetration there. He forced Hurts to go the other way. Anthony Nelson keeps his ground. I don't know what Hertz is doing at that point. He should get rid of the ball. He doesn't. He eats it. Then, uh, you know, you get, uh, what is it? Uh, the Intentional grounding. Yep. Grounding. It. I, I don't know how that happened. It should have just been a sack. Uh, and I, I, well, he threw the ball. I mean, he, he slung the ball as he was going down. So they made the right call. The result of the penalty is a safety. But, yeah, they made the right call. I just hope Nelson got, got a sack for it. That's what I'm looking at. He deserved the sack for it because he stayed at home and, He's been a guy that, you know, not necessarily he has the, the greatest athleticism, if I can say it, but he's a guy that's motor has gotten better. It's it's always working. His motor is always working. He's a guy that's worked harder and harder. On- his length. His length is good. Long arms. 
He's a hustler. He's always – the motor is his, is his key attribute. You never see him loafing around. And you would expect that, you know, coming from Iowa. I mean, they, they got players, not again, not necessarily the most athletic, but they're going to give you everything they got because of the coaching there. So good to see him once again uh, continue to do what he does best, which is get after the quarterback. So the Bucks get the lead 18 to 9. Again, critical there because now you're up two scores. Now you got a little more of a, a, a cushion. They punt the ball. Nice punt, re- nice return on the kick by Devin Tompkins. Gets it out to about the 40, 40, 42 yard line. And then you have the uh the quick little, the quick little uh, on second down, I believe, second and three, second and two, whatever it was, the quick little out route to Trey Palmer. And then you really see the Palmer speed. And then you also see just the lack of speed by the Philadelphia defense. And the lack of interest in tackling, Palmer cuts it back to the to the to the middle and goes 56 yards for a touchdown. And that's the reason why lots of Bucks fans were excited about getting Palmer where they got him because you get him at what sixth, seventh round, sixth round, yeah, sixth round out of Nebraska. What was the deal? He could run what four two three, but he couldn't catch consistently. If this kid, when the lights turn on, my dad used to say this when I was a sports uh, broadcaster starting out, Jason Powers. When those lights turn on, boy, you're going to be dangerous. When those lights turn on for Mr. Palmer, he's going to be dangerous because he's going to be able to catch consistently. He's going to be able to be a professional, which I think is under the best uh, wide receivers you can learn under, under Mike Evans and, of course, Chris Godwin. And, of course, he's already got the natural athleticism and speed. Again, another one of the Jason Light draft picks that have really turned out well, major contributor this year. Palmer's done a nice job as the three, and kind of he and David Moore have been splitting that three role the last month or so. Again, 25 to nine, you're feeling pretty good. I think at that point, I that's when I really felt the game's probably over there, 25 to nine. Uh, the Bucks go up 25 nine. They obviously put the game away with the with the uh the, the Chris Godwin kind of all-out blitz, and then Baker throws the kind of the, the, the lob ball down the middle of the field, and Godwin scores, make it 32-9. Bucks, Bucks win the game. The game's over, obviously. Um Couple couple points of the game that I really thought were critically important. If you're going to play a a scheme of full blitz, blitz, and we're pressuring, the back end did a great job in tackling. There were very few missed tackles. Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, great job on the outside a couple of times on tackles. Uh, nice job by the linebacking core, and then you had the, the coverage with the safeties. You had Winfield, McCollum. Nice job on the coverage end. All everybody in the secondary covered well, but the tackling was critical because you you, you eliminated those big plays by missed tackles. And I tell you right now, Zion McCollum has got lots of potential, does he not? I mean, did you see him knock out Julio Jones there with that hit? Do you see the speed again? Do you see the reason why lots of Bucks fans were excited to get him in the fifth round? Because he does has he has those tools that you necessarily can't teach. Once again, what is it about him? You got to teach him technique. It seems like every rep he gets, he's getting better and better right before our eyes. I agree with that. That's the one thing. He's he's feeling more comfortable in his in his ability to play at this level. I think he's had the athleticism, but he had, wasn't always mentally in the right place as far as understanding the defense and leverage and all those kind of things that pro receivers do. And again, part of this again, would the game have been different if AJ Brown played potentially? Because I don't think that Bucks pressure as much with AJ Brown in the game and Devontae. Because Devontae Smith, he ate him up there for. I mean, he had a few plays. Over, he caught the long ball over the top, had a couple nice plays. He was the only weapon that you had to worry about if you were Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and the Bucs did a good job. Again, he he made a couple plays, but the game, they weren't going to let Dallas. Dallas Goddard wasn't going to beat him. Julio Jones wasn't going to beat him. All in all, great job, great performance. And even the running game, 
Didn't run for a ton of yards, but they had a few critical eight, nine-yard runs at the right times, kept drives. They were good in short yardage, the second and twos, third and ones. They got the first downs all the time, and they didn't commit dumb penalties on offense. No holdings, no false starts that derailed drives. Nice job all around by that Buccaneer offense. Absolutely. Well said. Most complete game of the year, too, Peter Blake. I thought – from start to finish, offense, defense, kicking game, it was the best game of the year that the Bucks played. And, again, that shows the sign of a good coach team is when the lights are the brightest, i.e. the playoffs, you want to play your best game. And I think the Bucs played their best game of the, of the year. With this win, because we were kind of talking about this already, uh, Todd Bowles beats Carolina, so he's coming back on an extension. There's no doubt now with him beating the Philadelphia no. you're you're bringing him back. You're not firing. No doubt. Okay. No doubt. No, no doubt about it. Todd Bowles has earned his way back in Tampa. You you, you, you know, you're not, you're not getting rid of Todd Bowles. Um, Again, are you extending him five years? No, you're going to, he's, he's going to go to the next year of his contract and let's see, let's see you do it again next year, Todd. But yeah, he's, he's definitely coming back. No doubt about it. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market for a new home? Are you looking to get into a, a single family residence, condo, townhouse, duplex, whatever it is? If you need financing help to get pre-approved, which you need to do, reach out to Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers. We'll get you approved in less than 24 hours. We'll get you qualified, figure out what you can afford, and we will get you in a position to be able to make that offer. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending. We can help you with an FHA loan, a VA loan if you're a veteran, a conventional loan, a bank statement loan. We can help you with a investment property, a second home. Whatever their financing needs are, reach out to me, Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome to 2024 National Championship in the books, Michigan National Champions. But the NFL playoffs are here for the next four to five weeks, heading to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Ticketsmarter.com is your place to go to find tickets on the secondary market, where it's NFL playoffs, NBA, NHL, college basketball, concerts, whatever it is, anywhere in the country, Ticketsmarter.com and their mobile app is the place to go for the get-in price to check on your better, lower-level seat price tickets. Ticket Smartest Technology gives you the most competitive pricing on the secondary market. Your purchase is safe and guaranteed. And here's a promo code for you. Powers10 will save you $100 or save you $10 on a $100 order or Powers20 will save you $20 on a $300 order. Again, NFL playoffs, whatever it is, TicketSmarter.com and their mobile app is the place to go. Tell them the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. You can use the codes as many times as you want anywhere in the country. TicketSmarter.com. Think smarter, ticket smarter, and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember the code Powers10 or Powers20. If you have any buying or selling real estate needs in the Tampa Bay area or anywhere in Central Florida, reach out to Drew Felios, 813-382-9934. Drew can help you on the buying side or the selling side for any real estate, commercial, or residential property. Drew is my guy anywhere here in the state of Florida, especially in Central Florida and the Tampa Bay area. Reach out to Drew Felios, 813-382-9934 for all of your real estate buying and selling needs. Bucks win 32-9, Buck fans. 
move on to the divisional round. They're going to head to Detroit. Got a little break with Detroit uh, with the Green Bay win. That means they were going to San Francisco. So we knew the Bucks knew all along that they won. They were heading to Detroit after Detroit beat the Rams 24-23 on Sunday night. Let's give you a little preview of the Detroit Lions. I don't think the Bucks have ever played the Lions in the in the divisional round. I know they beat the the Lions in the wild card round, the last game at at uh, Tampa Stadium, I believe. Correct, ninety seven, I believe was the year. 97, 20 to ten, holding uh, Barry Sanders under a hundred rushing yards, which is saying a lot. And of course, you got uh, the A train. And at that point, the song was "I get knocked down, but I get up again." That was the theme song of that team especially for the A-Train. And I can know that because I was in the building for that 20-10 to 10 playoff game back in 97. I, I remember being there for the last game. And uh, I think the Bucks. I can't remember who the Bucks played the next week. Was that the, they went to Green Bay and lost? That's correct. So the, and Warren Sapp. That's right. That, that is that good, good, good boy, Peter Blake. All right, Peter Blake. So 20, again, we look back to week six. The Bucks lose 21-6 at home against Detroit. Um a game of missed opportunities, if I recall in that game, a lot of opportunities for Baker in the passing game that just that they were just the offense had not clicked nowhere near where they're at now yet. They were still filling each other out. Give Jared Goff credit; he played really well. They the the Detroit offense killed the Bucks in the passing game with St. Brown. Jared Goff was really good. This could be another one of those games where you have to put a lot of pressure. You may have to you may have to gamble a little bit on defense. You may because we know Jared Goff. If you let him just sit back there and pick apart that zone defense, the Bucks could have some problems. What do you what do you anticipate the strategy being from a defensive perspective from Todd Bowles? I think you do what you do best, and that's blitz. <laughs> and if you blitz Goff, uh, you know there's there's two things that can happen. Either a he's going to throw it to you because he has six interceptions this year versus the blitz. Or B, he's going to throw some touchdowns, which he threw 13. But you look at that first matchup, they won 20-6, to but the Bucs were in that game 10-6 to and could have made some plays, Jason Powers, that they missed out on. You remember that Baker in this offense is on the 10-yard line. You have Mike Evans wide open, but the ball is tipped. You know, that's a game changer. You had an opportunity to hit Trey Palmer on a deep route. You miss it. So this was one of Baker's bad games that you go back to and you say, you know what, if you make some of those critical plays, the Bucs might win that game versus the Lions because the Lions, again, they were struggling with the Bucs. It was only 10-6, to and then Jamison Williams gets out with that big play. Ryan Neal, you know, lost in the sauce there, trying to cover, can't get his head around. You get that big play, and it's done, sir, done. The difference here is the is the, is the Lions have multiple weapons. They've got St. Brown, Jamison Williams, Laporta's back playing tight end. So they have multiple weapons, plus they have two really good running backs. So it's going to be a, a little bit different strategy, I think, for the Bucs. I don't think you can go out and blitz every down. You have to pick and choose your spots as far as blitzing. We know the Bucs are going to blitz, but you can't do what you did against Philadelphia, I don't think, unless you expect to give up 35 points. Now, do I think the Buccaneers' offense can score a bunch of points? I do, but again, from a defensive perspective, First and foremost, you got to shut down the running game because I think they're going to want to come out. Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, they're going to want to try to run the ball to start this game, but they are so balanced with that offense. Ben Johnson coordinating that offense, going to be a head coach here uh, here in a couple of weeks. But again, golf is on fire. That crowd's going to be on fire. You got to shut down the run and put the ball in Jared Goff's hands. He may beat you. He may beat you, but you got to put the ball in his hands. What did he have? Like 353 yards and yep. touchdowns in the first meeting. So, yeah. St. Brown killed him. The St. Brown 
killed the Bucks that first game as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe also was Craig Reynolds in that game too. Reynolds or Josh Reynolds, not Craig. Remember he had that devastating block on the St. Brown touchdown. Reynolds had that block or the block that triggered a long touchdown. So again, offensively, Peter Blake, again, this 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 uh, Detroit defense is, is vulnerable in my view, especially in the back end. I, again, I think their pass rush ain't great, but they've got one elite guy, Aiden Hutchinson. You got to block him. You, uh, he's. I would imagine they're going to isolate him more on Luke Gedeke than Tristan Wirth. They're going to try to I get that matchup in their favor. And again, Gedeke's done a pretty good job. He he gave up a sack on Monday night and one of the one of the bull rushes. But again, Aiden Hutchinson is their is their elite pass rusher, and you you are going to see the Bucks slide their protection towards Aiden Hutchinson. Two sacks on the right side versus the Rams uh, last Sunday night and seven sacks in three games. So he's definitely the guy that you worry about. And and that's actually why I think you, you're you going to run, you're, you're going to chip on him to help out uh, Gedeke on that right side. And then everybody else, I, I, just, I don't think they're as talented up front as the Philadelphia Eagles. And if that offensive line could handle the Eagles up front, uh, I think they could do the same with the Lions, and that's where my matchup lies here, Jason Powers, my tag team partner of the world. Evans and Godwin were very quiet against the Eagles. Yeah. I think they're going to be so quiet versus that Detroit uh, back end, and that's where I think Dave Canales will scheme to get them involved early and often. How about the comments of uh, of Gardner Johnson today? We're, we're recording this Wednesday night. How about Gardner Johnson coming out saying the Bucks would be a dangerous team if they had a quarterback? How about that? I mean, that's trash talk. That's bulletin board material. You know that Baker's going to be pumped up about it. I, I can't wait for Baker to throw for over 300 yards. I can't wait for Evans and Godwin to roast that dude because that guy talks more trash than anybody in the league. He's an instigator. He's still a punk. He's always been a punk. He was a punk with the Gators. He was a punk with the Saints, and now he's a punk with the Lions. Just saying, uh, it would be very satisfying once that Bucks offense runs all over him. If I'm, the, if I'm Baker Mayfield, though, don't 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 get over amped. Don't get amped up. Hey, I'm going to get you, Chauncey. Throw the ball to the guys that's open. Don't try to jam one in there. That's where Baker gets in trouble. You and I both know that he'll get in trouble when he tries to again show everybody he's the man. Just do what you did Monday. You were perfectly in rhythm. You threw to the open guy. Again, Godwin and Evans don't have to have all the catches. You got Otten. You got the third receiver. You can dump it down to Rashad White. Throw the ball to the open guy. Canals has shown he can get guys open. Baker's just got to throw it to the open guy. That's it. He's got to throw it to the open guy. And then, you know, going on the other team there, you got to watch for Gibbs because they want to get him out into the open field. So whatever linebacker, whatever safety is on. That's going to be an isolation with Devin White, KJ Britt. That's going to be the matchup in the passing game that they're going to try to they're going to try to isolate. Yeah, I, I feel better about a, um, a Britt. Britt, yeah. White, but a White shown before. That uh, you know he can he can shut down the running back in the flat, but I just don't see it from him this year. I feel better with Britt, but we'll see how they they roll it out. We'll see what kind of adjustments. And again, you feel good about it because Johnson is an offensive coordinator uh, that's going to get you know a, a lot of interest from respective NFL. He's getting a head coaching job, Washington or Carolina, probably one of those two spots. But you, maybe Seattle. You've got to feel good about Todd Bowles and the experience factor of you know being able to dissect offenses with his defensive systems. I think he's going to be able to you know vary up the looks, confuse Jared Goff. Goff isn't as uh, you know mobile 
as Jalen Hurts. Yeah, no. This matchup a lot. And one thing we we know is going to happen is Detroit is going to be very aggressive on fourth down. Campbell likes to go for it. So, again, if you're Todd Bowles, pick your spots. of you got to be aggressive too, Todd Bowles. Continue to be aggressive with the play calling. Be, don't be afraid to go for it on fourth and one or two, something like that. When you cross midfield, those are the kind of – again – that place is going to be jumping. That 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 Ford Field is going to be electric. Um, it was, you know, you heard all the all the reports that that place was on fire. You had Eminem last week with the with the intro with Stafford on Sunday Night Football. That place is going to be even wilder this week with a second consecutive home playoff game. Yeah, lose yourself, uh, lose yourself in these numbers. Tampa Bay is six and zero against the spread when averaging a loss where the team scored less than fourteen points. Also, the Buccaneers won those games by an average score of 26.5 to 19.2. Tampa Bay is also Jason Powers, 8-1 against the spread in road games this season. That includes a 7-1 against the spread mark as a road underdog. And how about this nugget? Yes. If Green Bay pulls an upset on Saturday in San Francisco, the Bucs could be playing for a home game in the NFC Championship game if they were to win Sunday. I I'm I'm kind of predicting that's going to happen because I tell you why Jordan Love the way he's playing I think the defense I don't know I don't know about Joe Barry but that defense I think can do enough versus San Francisco I'm not so sure that San Francisco is going to be able to beat Green Bay I may be wrong I'm going to go the other way I think I think I think San Francisco is going to score 40 against Green Bay I don't think that defense is very good I don't think you're going to get the effort that the Dallas Cowboys put out there. I got a bad. I, I got a feeling that, that this that's going to be. I won't say over early, but it's going to be a comfortable win for the 49ers Saturday afternoon. You might be right about that. I may be just being a homer, but I tell you right now, now I'd love to see the game in Tampa next Sunday, no doubt. But realistically, just think about it. You have the game next Sunday. You also have the Royal Rumble in town. You have a hot. <laughs> There's so much thing there. Uh, there is a cornucopia of uh, things to do. Uh, that day. Uh, and what, what would Peter Blake do if he had to make a decision? What would Peter Blake do? It's easy. I watch the NFC Championship. I'm, I'm out there. I'm credentialed. I'm credentialed media with the J.P. Peterson show. I'm out there eating my three or four plates. I'm probably out there three, four hours early you know, just to you know, kind of enjoy everything. Enjoy my plates of food, but just enjoy the atmosphere. Because that was my first playoff game I've been yeah. as credential media. So it was nice. I, I just feel like that place would be electric. The way Jordan Love is playing right now, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's definitely possible. And I and and I will say this, you know, with the uh, with the Bucks and the Lions game, it was so emotionally you, you, you so emotionally charged by the Lions how they won that playoff game, thirty-one yep. years making. Can they get up again? Because if they get down in this game, all the pressure, Jason Powers, is on the Lions. It's on oh. The Lions. Everybody in America thinks the Lions are winning this game. Easily. Like, Everybody. I've heard blowout. I've heard the Bucks got no chance. And wouldn't this be interesting? So you defeat the Philadelphia Eagles, who you lost to earlier on in the year. You defeat the Lions, who also you lost to earlier on in the year. Yep. And you go to the San Francisco 49ers, and you beat them. Yep. And guess what? Guess, guess what the other team is that could be in the Super Bowl. I'll just give you a little Super Bowl preview that I'm thinking if they can get past Kansas City. Houston, the Houston Texans? The Buffalo Bills. The and the, or the Houston Texans. Right. We want to them too. The Bucs could, could beat all those teams. <laughs> and one Winfield Jr. said a revenge tour. And who's going to doubt that young man? Because right? he's the best safety in the league, not said by the Pro Bowl voters. I'm just saying anything is possible. This is what we talked about.
at the beginning of the whole process. Get in and you don't know what's going to happen. You got it. All right, Peter Blake, give me a prediction. Sunday, 3 o'clock, NBC. Tariko, Tariko, Chris Collinsworth. Nice. 27-20, Tampa Bay. 27-20. I'm going to go 31-24 bucks. Shootout. I think I think Godwin and Evans are going to be factors. I think a big game for Mike Evans. I think some running, you're going to see some running out of Rashad White, maybe a screen for a touchdown. And don't forget K Dot and two. I think K Don's going to be back and still in the mix again because I think there's going to be some opportunity in the middle of the field there. And uh 31 24 final high scoring game, Bucks NFC title game. Peter, tell all the great folks where they can find all your great work. <laughs> Yeah, J.P. Peterson show on Wednesday mornings from uh, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And, of course, the evolution of Sports Talk Television, the Sports Web, Monday and Wednesday nights, 9 o'clock. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. We'll see you next time here on the No Quarter Given podcast. We will have a we will have an episode next week, hopefully previewing the NFC title game. But if not, we'll have an end-of-the-season uh, recap of, of the year. Powers on Sports Podcast. Find us on the podcast platforms, YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. This video content will be up there as well. So find us there. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Rate and review. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul Stewart. BuckPower.com. And Buccaneers, let's get to the NFC title game. Revenge Tour number two. We'll see you next week on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Go Bucks! Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.